So good morning, everyone. Uh, if I haven't met you before, my name is Dan Bidwell, senior pastor here at the church. It is great to be with you. Um, as we come to our Bible passage today, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about anxiety and anxious thoughts, and um, that might make you a little bit anxious, just to imagine what I'm going to say. And so I thought we'd start with some anxiety jokes just to relieve the tension. We'll see, we'll see how we go, right? Um, what do you call a dinosaur with anxiety? A Nervosaurus Rex. Um, it said just Nervous Rex on the internet. I think Nervosaurus is better. I rewrote it for them. Uh, what, do you, what kind of anxiety do Legos get? You know, like little Lego pieces? Separation anxiety. Um, and what do you call it when a commander becomes nervous? General anxiety. Um, that's kind of as good as I could come up with because actually it turns out um, anxiety jokes aren't that funny because they're a little bit too close to the bone of what anxiety is really like and uh, what it's like to have anxiety. There's a whole strain of memes on the internet. Uh, memes are kind of pictures that tell you a joke or something relatable. Um, and these ones actually explain what it's like to experience serious anxiety. So we've got this guy where anxiety says to him, what if this happened? And he says, no, but it won't. And then anxiety says, but what if it does? And he's like, yeah, you got me. And those anxious thoughts spiral and spiral. Uh, what about this one? I think this is actually Alice in Wonderland. I, I don't quite remember the scene because I don't remember the movie, but imagine this in your brain. You overanalyze the situation. Brain immediately overreacts, and then everything turns out fine. And me, oh dear, I wish I hadn't cried so much. You know, isn't that the way it just uh, comes quickly on you and then you've lost control and then, oh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. Um, and this last one, Charlie Brown. Why does a person have to lie awake all night worrying about everything? Uh, don't know about you, but I empathize with Charlie Brown. Yeah, some people there, when I get really worried about things, I find myself waking up in the middle of the night. About 5 a.m. is my normal time. And uh, it's one of my signs when that happens that I've been carrying a lot of stress and I need to do some work to manage it and to deal with it, uh, to cope with that stress. Um, now, I'm aware that each of us in the room actually will have a, a different relationship with anxiety. Some of us uh, will have anxious thoughts and they'll just go away pretty quickly on their own. Um, that's wonderful. Others will have anxiety that can be very debilitating. Um, statistics tell us that one in three Australians will, have, uh, will experience an anxiety condition in their lifetime. doesn't mean it'll last forever, but uh, one in three. And that means each of us knows somebody um, who has anxiety, or it might be us. Um, and so it's very relatable. Uh, I just thought I'd um, share this with you. What is, what is anxiety like? So we might just think um, anxiety feels like just worrying about everything all the time. Um, what it actually might feel like is you know, sweating a lot or, or second-guessing yourself or having muscle tension or trouble sleeping or chest pain or overthinking things. It might be getting an increased heart rate or it might be your mind and your body refusing to cooperate, even when you know it's not rational. That's what anxiety comes across as. Um, Joe asked me before, what's the definition of anxiety? I haven't got one written in, uh, but uh, one of the, um, the counsellors that I've listened to says, it's an overestimation of the problem and an underestimation of your resources to cope. I don't know if that's a perfect definition or not, but um, just to put it out there, so this is, this is one of those um, touchy kind of topics. I'm a preacher, I'm not a psychologist or a counsellor, uh, and so I don't want to be the one who speaks everything to you today. We want God to speak into 
wherever you're at on the anxiety spectrum. Um, because God does speak to us through his word and what he's caused to be written in his word. So let's ask him to speak to us now as we come to the Bible. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would be with us today by your Holy Spirit, speaking into the anxious places of our hearts. Will you make our hearts receptive to what you have to say? Or will you teach us? Or will you bring us peace? And we pray this in the name of the Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, I think we're at the end of our uh, Philippians series, our Term 4 series. Uh, We've been calling it Choosing Joy, and that's because the Apostle Paul continually encourages us, uh, no matter what circumstances we might face, to actually choose joy in that situation, to find the joy. And that's where I want to start by asking you today, um, are you finding joy in Christ? Um, Does your relationship with Jesus bring you joy? And perhaps there's an aspect of church Maybe it's the singing or the praying or maybe it's having morning tea or seeing your friends at church. Is there something about your fellowship with Jesus that's bringing you joy? Um, Because I think that's the first tool in Paul's toolkit for how we can cope with anxiety. Uh, It's actually our very first verse for today. Uh, The Apostle Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Uh, our old friend, the canary, is on the screen again, uh, just to remind you of what we said last week. Uh, in the olden days, you know that miners used to take a canary into the mines, uh, because if it stopped singing, then it was a sign that something was wrong. And uh, joy is a canary in the mine for us, I think, as Christians. Um, if our hearts stop singing, uh, if the joy disappears, then it's a good sign that something might be wrong. Uh, in Australia, when you present to the GP or to your counsellor, Um, They'll often use a diagnostic tool uh, to see where you're at with your stress and anxiety. It's called a DAS, D-A-S-S, the Depression Anxiety Stress Scales. Um, And so your DAS score um, measures how severe your depression or your anxiety or stress is at a particular time. And so generally there's 40 questions or 41. And I think three of them are all about uh, whether we're experiencing joy. Um, And so the, the test goes like this. It says, in the last week... Um, in the last week, answer on the scale of um, how much has this occurred to you, whether it's not at all or much or most of the time. So here are the three questions. Uh, One is, I was unable to become enthusiastic about anything. No joy there. Or second one, I couldn't seem to get enjoyment out of anything at all. Where would you have been on that scale? Or I couldn't seem to experience anything positive at all. Um, The DAS youth uh, puts it even more bluntly, just says, I did not enjoy anything. Sounds like a teenager after school one day. Um, You're more thinking about how much in a week, not just a momentary thing. Uh, So according to Australian mental health professionals, a lack of joy is actually one of the indicators that your mental health could be suffering. Uh, And let's put that alongside what the Apostle Paul says. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. Um, In fact, he says it again. Um, There is something protective about choosing joy about seeking joy, about actively rejoicing. And I think Paul actually puts it here deliberately right before he talks about anxiety because there's an inverse correlation between anxiety and joy or or anxiety and joy. Um, Anxiety robs us of joy. And so Paul encourages us when we're able to practice joy, rejoice actively. 
And Paul's not just talking about the things that make you happy. Don't, don't just choose joyful things. So, you know, it's not just eating ice cream, although ice cream brings me a lot of joy. Um, he's not talking about going on a hike with your best friend um, or patting a puppy, although if you're anxious, those actually would be really good things to do. No, Paul says rejoice in the Lord. Um, there's a special kind of joy that comes from rejoicing in the Lord and remembering the Lord's goodness to us. Um, God's mercy to forgive us from our sin and his love even when we're unlovable or his grace to bless us so, more than, so much more than we could ever imagine or deserve. I mean, just think about it. God showers good gifts on us all the time and we do well to remember that he's the one who will bring us into our ultimate joy today and into all of eternity. And so I think when we remember all those good things, when we remember they come from the Lord, it can actually stop us from dwelling in the negative. Um, You know, when it comes to personality types, uh, some of us are more prone to negativity than others. Um, You know, we gravitate to what's difficult or what's going wrong or what's unfair, or we might fix our thoughts on wrongs that others have done to us. Uh, And perhaps you might have good reason to think those things. But consider Paul... He's locked up for the sake of Jesus. He's beaten, he's been, been imprisoned, he's been flogged, he's been unfairly brought before judges. And, and what does he do? Well, he chooses joy, doesn't he? He chooses joy, not negativity. And, and I think that's where the next part of the verse really helps us. Um, he says, let your gentleness be evident to all. Um, this word gentleness in the original Greek, um, it gets translated differently in some different versions of the Bible. Uh, one of them has, um, let your forbearance be evident to all. I don't think we use that word too often, forbearance. Um, so I love what it says in the Amplified Bible. It kind of takes the, the original word and then it puts in brackets a whole bunch of other words that help fill out the picture of what the original writer was intending. And I think this is actually really helpful. Uh, This is a retranslation of that first verse. Let your gentle spirit, um, that is your graciousness, your unselfishness, your mercy, your tolerance and your patience be known to all people. So as Christians, I think what he's saying here is we're not not to be known for our negative attitude. Instead, Paul wants us to cultivate that same character that God has with us. Because if you think about God with us, right, God doesn't complain about our unfaithfulness. God doesn't dwell on our sins. He he doesn't remember our mistakes and rub them in our face. No, God is gracious. He's unselfish. He's merciful. He's tolerant. And he's so patient with us. And I think when we are to face the world, we're also to be gracious and unselfish and merciful, even with those who've wronged us, to be patient and tolerant. See, when we cultivate joy, God willing, those negatives that we've experienced, they'll actually shrink and fade compared to the joyful, gracious response that God has given to us, the joy that we know and the delight we have in Jesus. So that's tool number one in the toolkit to cope with anxiety. Um, uh, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Um, The second tool, uh, uh, there's actually three tools, maybe even four. They're kind of all connected like, you know, the little tools on a Swiss army knife, now, they all start with P. I'm not going to tell you what they are. Um, you'll have to find out as we go along. But uh, start with uh, telling you a little about, about me. Um, I, I'm, I'm a water baby. I grew up as a water baby. Anybody else just love the water? You're like, yep, 
good work. Um, I've always loved the beaches as long as I can remember. I've always wanted to stay in the water. I remember being eight or nine years old and my parents standing by the car at the car park at the beach and waving to me going, come on in, you've got to get out of the water now. And I'm like, just one more wave. And then 20 waves later, just one more. Um, never wanted to get out. Uh, when I was um, a kid, we lived for a, a lot of years in Western Australia, right in Perth on the Swan River. And so every afternoon, every weekend, um, we spent our afternoons swimming and sailing and fishing and canoeing and paddling and swimming across the lake and river and things like that that we probably wouldn't do. It was the 1980s, so we weren't supervised. Um, <laughs> did I become a competent waterman because of that or chicken and egg? Who knows? Um, but so different when your own kids are born, um, particularly when they're little anyway. Um, and there's this protectiveness you have as a dad. You know, your kids are near water and you, you know that you have to be vigilant. You have to be right there, ready to grab onto them. And uh, the second tool in our toolkit to cope with anxiety is actually to know that God is right there. Uh, look at the second part of verse 5. It says, the Lord is near. Um, this most famous passage about anxiety begins with this promise, this reminder that the Lord is near. And this means that whatever's going on for us, whatever, whatever might be frightening you, whatever's making us nervous, whatever diagnosis we're facing, whatever feelings of aloneness we might have, actually we're not alone because the Lord is near. Uh, Hebrews 13.5 reminds us that God has said, never will I leave you and never will I forsake you. Jesus himself said, Surely I'm with you always to the very ends of the age. Brother and sister, you are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you. He's dwelling inside you by his Holy Spirit and he'll never leave you or forsake you. And there's something so comforting about being in the presence of God. You know, when you're with your parents, there's just that protective comfort. Um, God is like that. He's with us. He's with us now. He'll be with you when you go home. He'll be with you in the doctor's surgery. He'll be with you in the maths exam. He's there with you in your sadness and in the moments when it feels like things are overwhelming. He's never far away. And so that first P on the little Swiss army knife, it's P for presence. It's God's presence. The second one is pray. It says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, Present your requests to God. I'm um, just out of curiosity. How many people have this as a memory verse? You've memorized this one. You, you say it to yourself sometimes. We usually, after the fact, you think, oh, it would have been good if I remembered that when I was feeling anxious. Um, I reckon this was one of the first memory verses I ever memorized. A friend taught it to me like this. He said, um, he said when in a fix, Philippians 4.6. So, so something's going wrong, when in a fix, Philippians 4, 6. That's right, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, present your request to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Whew. So good to memorize that scripture, isn't it? When our thoughts are spiraling, let's remember Philippians 4, 6. And before we dig into the idea of prayer, I want to come back to the first few words of verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Um, it's clear from this verse that Anxiety is not something new. It's not a 21st century problem. It's not a 21st century invention. This was written 2,000 years ago. There they were. Paul was talking about people's anxiety. A thousand years earlier than that, uh, King David writes this. He says, um, search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Uh, Psalm 139, that wonderful uh, 
wonderful, wonderful uh, passage. Uh, so uh, King David, 3,000 years ago, probably an anxious guy. Um, David's son Solomon wrote about the anxious way that people spend our lives, um, toiling and striving. And you see that uh, at the end, uh, even at night, their minds do not rest. You know, our minds don't rest at night. 3,000 years ago, it was just the same. Anxiety is something common uh, in the human experience, at least after the fall. Um, And in fact, I think our anxiety comes from a good gift from God. It's our fight and flight reflex. So I'm going to do a little bit of science with you for a minute. Um, From a biological standpoint, um, our uh, anxiety comes from a part of the brain called the amygdala. Um, God has wired our body with alarm systems. And that alarm system is awesome when something threatens us uh, or when we're in danger, it triggers our fight or flight response. Um, so our, our brain senses a threat, the our blood vessels constrict, and all the blood uh, moves away from the prefrontal cortex, which is our kind of thinking center, and moves it to our fight and flight response center, the amygdala. Um, so as I said, you know that front part, the frontal prefrontal cortex, it's responsible for thinking and rational thought, but when the amygdala response kicks in, we're no longer functioning out of reason or logic. Um, Fight or flight takes over, and that actually only takes about a tenth of a second to happen. Very quick, all of a sudden, we're not thinking rationally. We're just acting out of response biologically. Uh, And for those of us who suffer severe anxiety, uh, anxiety, uh, biologically what happens or what can happen is that the amygdala goes into overdrive every time we perceive a threat. It comes really quickly. It it overreacts. Um, Although apparently sometimes the thinking can start in the prefrontal cortex. You know, there's something that worries you and then your fight or flight kicks in with the amygdala. Um, And there we are. And uh, so what happens is we can't think clearly when we're in that fight or flight response when we're functioning out of our amygdala. Um, But God has made our brains brilliantly. Um, Neural plasticity, which is a a kind of a relatively recent concept, actually means that we can retrain our brains not to jump to that amygdala response um, so quickly. We can actually train our brains um, to de-escalate so we're not hijacked by that uh, amygdala response. And so uh, there's lots of common tools that uh, counsellors use. They typically say... Um, when we're in that response, we need to stop and uh, practice a stress-reducing technique, maybe meditation or deep breathing or exercising. But apparently prayer works just as well. So I've been listening to um, some podcasts by Sissy Goff. She's a, uh, an American uh, child uh, counsellor, psychologist. Um, uh, this book is new. Uh, this is kind of actually about how to be a better, a, a more worry-free parent. She... she counsels kids but she counsels parents a lot alongside the kids so if you're a a worrying parent or you've worried kids this book might be great only just released um raisingboysandgirls.com it should say there um is where you can find uh, some excellent podcast resources from her too um and if you listen to theology in the raw she did a podcast with sprinkle's wife can't remember what it's got a cool name somebody dustin sprinkle or something like that who knows anyway She says there's a whole bunch of ways that we can learn. We need a toolkit to actually learn how to reset ourselves when we get into that kind of biological response. Uh, What do we do? Well, here are some of the the kind of secular ways to do it. You can run cold water over your uh, hands or your face. Uh, You can try counting backwards from 100 by, 
you know, count back by threes or fives or do something that's not really easy. Um, but she also says you can do things like repeating a line of scripture, memorize scripture, or praying, something like the Lord's Prayer, doing something that helps calm you down and back off that biological response and to bring the thinking brain back online. And as we do that with practice, we can actually retrain our anxious responses and we can build new neural pathways. And ultimately, we can actually become more resilient and less prone to that anxious overreaction. That was very sciencey, wasn't it? Come back to what Paul says in the Scriptures. See, he says, don't be anxious about anything, but in every uh, situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then that peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. So Paul says when we pray, the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And I think this is more than just a biological peace uh, in our minds, although I'm sure that's actually part of it, calming our minds so that we can actually focus on what's above. I think this is a spiritual peace as well. See, Paul says we can bring our concerns, we can bring our requests, we can bring our petitions, we can bring everything to God, and there's nothing too big or too small for him. Um, Psalm 139 reminds us that even before a word is on our tongue, God knows it completely. He knows us. He knows what you're thinking. He knows what you need. So come to him uh, and uh, pray and give it over to God. See, I think when we can truly give our concerns over to God, that's when we can experience his peace. When we trust him as the one who truly can make a difference. He's really the only one who can make a difference, isn't he? I think that's when we can finally relax and rest in him and rest in his promises. There's a beautiful image in verse 7. It's the image of a sentinel or a guard whose job it is to stand and keep watch over a garrison, so that amygdala response, it's all about us being on guard, isn't it? It's about us having to keep watch and, and always being ready to fight or flee. Imagine having somebody who watched out for you so that you could rest easily, so you could sleep soundly without having to worry about attack. Well, that's what God is promising here. God is near. It's God who never slumbers or sleeps. He, he's the one who watches over our coming and our going. In Him, you can find rest. When Jesus uh, was talking about giving the Holy Spirit to us, this is what he said. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So that's our second and our third P together, I think. You've got, uh, uh, we had presence to start with, then we have prayer, and now we have peace. Uh, and if you like alliteration, I think uh, you could probably throw in promises. It's not written in the passage, but these things are the realities that are true despite our circumstances. God's presence is with us. And through his prayer, we encounter his peace because of his promises. Uh, I think that's a toolkit all on its own. Um, practice that and it'll keep you focused on the one who can make a difference. Uh, and our final bit of kit, I think, to cope with anxiety is actually to keep looking upwards. He says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. One of the hardest parts about anxiety is um, circular thoughts. 
particularly negative thoughts that keep going round and round inside your mind and and we can become fixated on those thoughts. Uh, And it's one of the reasons we need to speak to a professional uh, if that's happening because we can get stuck in that destructive cycle. Uh, But the opposite happens when we stop looking inwards and we start looking upwards. See, when we lift our eyes and when we look to Jesus, we're reminded that the end of the story is always good when you know Jesus Christ. Uh, His resurrection story becomes our resurrection story. And Jesus can bring you new life even when it feels like hope is lost. He can bring you hope when you're overwhelmed. He can bring you hope when you're stuck in those anxious thinking patterns. So brothers and sisters, look to Jesus because actually he's the one who is true, isn't he? Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He's the one who's noble. He's the one who's right and righteous. He's the one who's pure. He's the one who is lovely. He's the one we're to admire. Look to Jesus. And he can turn your anxiety into a song of praise. And the God of peace will be with you. Logan, there's probably people here today who um, suffer debilitating anxiety, or perhaps you look after somebody with anxiety, and you're thinking, well, this all sounds like pie in the sky. Um, You know, I'm really going to go home this afternoon, say a prayer, and my anxiety will be cured. Uh, Maybe it will. Probably not. Um, This is probably not the silver bullet. But um, do you know what? Alongside good therapy, there is hope for those with anxiety. Uh, There is hope because the gospel is a gospel of promise. It's a gospel of peace. It's a gospel of the presence of God and the powerful God who raised Jesus from the dead. And he'll do that for you too. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come to you with our anxious thoughts and thinking about those we know who suffer from anxious thoughts. Lord God, would you bring peace over this room? Would you bring peace over your people? Would your spirit minister into anxious hearts? Lord God, would you help us to focus on the Lord Jesus and the great promises we have that he is with us? Father God, we thank you that this message of hope is protective for our hearts. Thank you that you guard us even when we're worried, even when we can't rest. We pray, Father, that you would give us that peace today. We pray in the name of our precious Saviour, Jesus. Amen.